Julian. Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about robotics with ABB.com. So tell me about yourself and ABB, please. Yeah. Hi, Alexander. Thanks for having me, first of all. A great opportunity to join your podcast. So yeah, let, let's start on a high level, right? I mean, ABB is a conglomerate of, of many different types of companies. And um, one of those um, yeah, businesses ABB is working on is robotics. And over there, um, we are segmenting uh, robotics in a, in a customer-centric way. And the, the business line, the division I'm working in is um, called Consumer Segments and Service Robotics. Complicated name, so let me try to explain it very briefly for you. Um, consumer segments, I think that's very clear, right? So you and I, everyone, what we consume on a daily basis um, can be food, uh, beverages, but also consumer products like apparel, fashion, um, need to be produced. Um, and then that's that's one pillar we are serving with robotics, with um, automated solutions. And then the service robotics parts, uh, probably a bit more exciting and futuristic, is really what 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 we call um, yeah robots providing services in, um, for example, restaurants, retail stores. Um, so really at the point of sales um, with with customer interaction. Um, so these are the two main pillars. And then, of course, what is super important in between is the logistics part, right? So how you um, yeah, um, connect these two worlds uh, where you produce the consumer goods and ultimately where you sell them. And that's the middle pillar, um, yeah, which, which we call logistics, but which, of course, also uh, spans across a lot of different disciplines and, and activities inside logistics. And over there, um, I'm working as a portfolio manager so I am managing um, yeah, products and applications uh, we are developing inside of ABB Robotics uh, for these uh, customers. Where do we see um, robotic solutions in our daily life, maybe even in retailing environments where no robotic solutions were around like 10 years ago? Yeah, that's, that, that's a very challenging question. I think, first of all, um where, where we don't let's start where we don't see it <laughs> so um we have seen robotics starting with with really standardized uh, production processes of, of cars right of, of welding robots and this is now more and more expanding into into the world of, of logistics um consumer packaged goods and this of course this takes place in production facilities that we as consumers never see right so when you buy a product um you, you, you don't know how this how this product has made its way into the packaging on the pallet um, into the carton boxes um, so this is something that is probably taking place behind the curtain so customers don't see it that much but to answer your question uh, where consumers today can see robots um, in in the retail space right this is the space where, where consumers typically go um, this is something where we see for example in Asian markets um, a bit more progress than in the European and North American. And over there, we, we, for example, see automated kiosks where you can, as a customer, for example, order something online, scan your QR code that you get uh, with the order, and then a robot is, is picking up this, this piece you have bought and directly feeding it out. And this, of course, enables 24 um, hours yeah, sales activities in these automated kiosks. And what we also see coming back to the service robots, is that there are um, growing numbers of these mobile robots um, that can be used, for example, in hospitals or in restaurants that make very um, or provide very easy services. So delivering um, food or um, 
yeah, some 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 typical components that you need in a in a, farm, in a hospital context or in a restaurant, right? So, um, for example, uh, bringing away dirty dishes or or bringing um, yeah fresh prepared meals to the table. Um, so this is something where consumers can already see robotics today, but it's not yet widely scaled. And as said, um, typically starting in in yeah in countries um, that are yeah a bit a bit further advanced, um, as we see it for example in South Korea or China. You you came up with a good point. You you were describing like an Asian Asian vending machine, an automated kiosk. So for for me that sounds like a big machine. So what is the official definition between like machine and, and robot? And I I think you've uh, you must be well informed about that because what you've described is kind of a yeah a, a huge vending machine. Um, I would say. So what what makes it a robot? Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I think also you, you're perfectly right. Sometimes we really making things more complicated than they are in the end it's very much comparable to a vending machine that we also see here in germany like at every station right so where mm. you can get a bar of chocolate or, or or fresh drink right in the end it's pretty similar but keep in mind that the the vending machines you see today they're pretty much optimized for a certain type of product right like chocolate bars um, drinks and it's every time the same right so you cannot say from one day to another hey um during during the previous times we were selling this kind of standardized bottles and tomorrow we want to sell these newly packed cans or or different types of beverages right because the vending machine is very much standardized and not so much customizable when you do this with a robot and you can envision it's it's a robot that is kind of accessing surrounding racks that maybe contain totes and inside of these totes you can place everything you could today say it carries cell phones and tomorrow it should be um, headphones or other type of, of electronics good. And the robot really gives you the flexibility to say, hey, we, we can change the items inside. And we have another robot that is picking outside of that toad. And this robot can use maybe different types of, of fingers, of, of end effectors to pick up these items. So customers can really say, hey, tomorrow or today, I want to say electronics. And tomorrow I might I might change half of the stock into, into fashion, into apparel. And this really then also offers to to um, to enter this industry with with different capabilities, right? So you could also think about players that just say, I operate these vending machines. Today my customer is an electronics company A, and tomorrow I might I might serve as another customer that is more in fashion retail. And I think that's that's the key difference, providing much more flexibility. Okay, got it. And you saw and you said that we don't see it yet in our daily lives. And um, I remember meeting with one uh, one manager from uh, Miele, uh, very famous for their uh, for their washing machines. And um, and, if, and I asked him, okay, what is like the newest innovation in, uh, in in washing machines? And that you know now we have compartments in the washing machine where you can store like um, laundry detergent. Uh, instead of like getting putting like laundry detergent like for every um, uh, for, for 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 every time you are like washing laundry, it can store uh, it. And it, okay, that's not so. That's not awesome. I mean, that it seems very like a very boring thing. You know what what annoys people most is like taking out the laundry, folding it together, iron it, whatever. So what what is the solution there? And then he uh, and then he and then he said to me, you know, there are like um, initial tests like in Japan, for example, where you have like an, a laundry robot where you can put like the whole washing machine laundry output into that robot and then the drying thing and folding thing and even sort it like uh, um, for different family members is done uh, where he said you know such a machine might cost like even a more um, in, even in a more um, advanced state 20 30 40k 
and it's usually much cheaper for the people just to hire a person to do it uh, and and totally made sense when when i had this meeting like five years ago but you, these days we are hearing more and more in in every um in every western society even like in eastern society there's there's not enough people anymore doing this easy jobs i would i would say though there must be a market now where those where there's more robotic uh, solutions uh, and we in our basement we have enough space so I'm, i'm waiting for a solution for for doing this do you see any advance in this area or we will see hundreds of smart kiosks first before the first laundry robot uh, will visit our basements <laughs> yeah that's that's an exciting question i think I, i i totally agree with you right so um that's something where where you as a consumer are, are super excited right and right now right what we were discussing before is really the b2b business right so the, the robots the solutions um we, we are selling today with with abb robotics is is for for businesses right so it's, mm -hmm. it's a clear b2b space and the the question you're asking is like hey do, when do we see service robotics really entering our homes that I as a as a consumer can just say I order online a robot um, yeah right for, for my daily use and what we see today right an example here would be these uh, vacuum cleaning robots which are now advancing much more right like if you if you look back at at a vacuum cleaning robot I don't know five ten years ago they had these very simple sonar sensors right so just ejecting sonar signals getting those back and then doing a fairly okay job Today, these robots use the same type of sensor as we see with self-driving cars, like LiDAR sensors. So really using really precise laser sensors to drive around your home and doing a much better job, right? And and I think this, this type of emergence we will see with different disciplines. To your question now, when do I have a robot that is kind of emptying my washing machine, taking out the, the, the clothes, putting them on a, on a rack for, for drying and then ironing that? These are many, many different tasks. And honestly speaking, I think it will still take a lot of time until we see this general robot doing a lot of the tasks you see in a, in a current household, right? Um, so what, what I would rather say is that we will see more service robot for more specific tasks, um, which could be like, like vacuum cleaning um, in, in, in these type of domains. Um, so yeah, I, I must say, unfortunately, I, I don't think that that we will soon see this 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 robot being capable of all these multiple different tasks. Um, and it, it will be very interesting to see uh, what type of tasks, of very scoped tasks, will be done by a robot um, in the in the future. Do you own a vacuum cleaning robot? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And and I must say, I'm not using it optimally. I'm, I'm just putting it into a room, close to room, and let it typically do two, three rounds. <laughs> so it's more like the concept of, of doing multiple cleans in order to get the result and not so much mapping my home and, and optimizing my floor for the robot. <laughs> yeah, so we also owned one uh, once. It, it was called Roborock. I think it was a, 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 a very good version already. I don't think if it had LiDAR uh, um, on it. Uh, and we only wanted to use it like in uh, at one uh, one floor. And um, as you said, you really need to adapt to the robot, not the other way around. It's very loud, so you cannot work when, when this yeah. kind of robot is is, <laughs> is, is 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 cleaning. It's not smart at all. So even with the best sensors, uh, um, there's obstacles uh, uh, which which are unsolvable. 
um, but makes the robot look very stupid. Um, now I think we have um, um, wet cleaning uh, um, uh, vacuum ro robots, uh, um, but it's like, let's say uh, there's like, in one out of 50 use cases, I could solve, like, as a human, this robot might work. But the other 49, it needs my support. Uh, and, and this is, like, we are far away from a perfect solution from my from my point uh, um, of view. And, and especially when people with, like, cats and dogs talking about this kind of robot experience, it, it, it seems to be very kind of limited. But let's say... Vacuum robots are there already. So, what is the next um, the next robot in the private household environment you would expect to um, enter the market or to be more adopted uh, widely? Oh, that's a very good question. I, I think we are we are right now really seeing a good emergence when it comes to drones, and these drones are typically used outside, and and especially with advancements of of very silent, um, yeah vehicle types like rotors to 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 bring the drone to the to the air um i would say that there might be more and more use for for internal applications but what type of application i think that's that's something super unknown yet it's similar with cleaning robots right i think first of all you always have this enabling technology and then you have a lot of smart minds who think like hey why don't we use a drone or 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 this mobility to to, to automate the the vacuum floor cleaning but I, I would say that that probably from a consumer perspective, we, we, we see a lot of advancements in drones. Mm. And that's also where where the market for um, for consumer segments, right, for us, like the end consumers, the B2C environment, looks much different from the B2B. Because in the B2B, we, we, we have a lot of advancements when it comes to robots, right? We have collaborative robots. But I don't think that in three years, everyone will have a collaborative robot at home to I don't know, wash the dishes. I mean, for that, we have an automated dishwasher. <laughs> okay, then let's stay for one moment on the B2B segment, uh, where you said there's like robots um, already in, in place. I don't know, in centers for elderly, elderly care, for example. So what kind of tasks are they are able to do in such environments? So when it when it comes to the service robot segments, we see um, rising need for, for, for not replacing the workforce, but really for um, helping the workforce and help them to focus on more um, important tasks. And a good example here is hospitals. In hospitals, you have typically super qualified and, and well-educated people with PhDs um, doing, doing tasks like sorting drugs, um, bringing medicines to the, um, to the, to the, to the patients, um, uh, yeah, driving a lot of things around, right? These hospitals can be very large, especially in the US. You, you, you have hospitals where, where you're, I don't know, 10,000 employees. So very, very large facilities. And over there, um, of course, it makes a lot of sense to automate, let's say, the walking of a, of a doctor or to automate the, the sorting activities um, of a nurse, right? And for that, you can use a robot. And then you have a stationary robot that can be equipped with a camera, machine vision, and then picking up the drugs, scanning them and placing them into different trays uh, to automate the sorting. And by that, you might save one or two hours of, of a time of a doctor or of a nurse um, that already makes a very great business case. Okay, so I, I will tell my wife then there's now uh, a laundry robot um, this Christmas and most likely uh, <laughs> not in the next 10, 10 years. Then let's focus a little bit on the retail um, chain. So uh, on the retail side uh, in, in our world, we have like different 
um, different steps in the value chain, like production, delivery, wholesale, warehouses, uh, end consumers, um, where all parts of this value chains are already screening today. We don't have enough people. We need to, uh, we need to do things differently, pay more. Uh, um, and one thing that occasionally comes up is obviously we have to automate things. Uh, um, and I think on the production side, we have seen robots in the car industry a lot, like welding things, for uh, for example. Is this already the case in other um, areas, uh, um, 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 like products we are seeing in the supermarket, where much more robot roboting power is already involved in the uh, in the production process? Yes, definitely. Especially when it comes to consumer packaged goods, right? And I mean, the term sounds a bit odd. But consumer packaged goods is really everything like a cookie, um, sweets, bread, packaged bread. Um, these, these, even these made sandwiches, right? Or these, these pre-prepared dishes with, with pre-cut food. And over there, of course, from the production to the packaging, this is fully automated. If, if you once have the chance to, to visit such a facility where they, where they produce, let's say, chocolate bars, um, I think it's impressive the quantity, the scale of how many bars they are producing actually per hour, right? It's, it's huge. You would not be able to do that without automation. It's it's really it's really comparable to to these throughputs you you see in the car industry. Of course, smaller items, so larger mm. scale, but from a throughput perspective, very very high. And over there, typically you you have the production process, which does not necessarily involve so much robotics, but a lot of automation. Mm. Right? Let's let's take the, the the example of a bread, for example. Right? So you, you bake the bread, and all this has very special um, types of, of automation and 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 um, goods it, it needs to, to do that but then when it comes to the packaging right so like pick up the bread put it into a tray seal it with uh, with with paper um, put three breads into a larger package that ultimately will be will be um, sold to customers put it into tertiary packaging so it is ready for for being shipped take that packaging and put it on a pallet so you can build up larger quantities for for shipment all this already automated for, for that you you would already need probably two three four different types of robots doing their job in, in very large production lines and this is already happening today yeah and i remember robot in my environment where um the the cousin of my wife uh, he, he owns a big farm and he has a milking robot uh, for oh. like 300 uh, cows it's, it's a huge investment it's like two million or so uh creating such a robot but then you don't have to uh, then it's my way more productive uh, um, for the cows and for the farmer, obviously. Is it an area where ABB is involved too? Uh, not not really yet. I think we have been looking into that as well, mm. um, but but not as a solutions builder, right? So I think we enable such market by providing the robots, right? So really the, the naked robot that then solutions builder can use. Um, but this task is very, very delicate, right? So you would need machine vision. I mean, in the end, you're treating... Um, yeah, a, a living animal, right? So there's a lot of safety and security being involved. And ultimately, of course, it also needs to be hygienic, right? Um, you're mm. gathering uh, what what will be consumed later on by yeah by us, by the consumer. So there are a lot of regulations to, to consider. Um, but typically, we look at such markets, at such trends, because we want to be the enablers, right? So we want to make sure that we provide the robots for such applications. And... and... Are you then involved into the um, uh, logistics part of uh, in the robot industry? Because you've talked about like um, lidars when it comes to self-driving capabilities of cars. Um, um, I think 
I think this particular technology is not accepted by Tesla yet. I think they will include it in the future. But this self-driving car capability is usually um, um, it's like the next step in the uh, in the value chain. So when a product is produced and it, it's put on pallets and the truck is loaded, then you still need people now that are like are are willing to drive from one location to another location in the middle of the night um, just to drop off the um, the chocolate bars uh, in the wholesale distribution center of a local supermarket chain, for example. And, and there, those self-driving capabilities are, are really demanded now because there are no drivers anymore. I think we, we saw this kind of peak driver demand in the UK, which is still the case. Is where's, where's like, I think, where's the... Um, Where's the difference between like robotic capabilities and like self-driving capabilities? Is it more or less the same we are talking here? Mm, I, I would say yes. In general, yes. I mean, look at, let's start with the human, right? Um, and, and honestly, that's super exciting. It's, it's a super exciting field because what we see now happening during the past years with self-driving cars, but also with robots inside the warehouse is that we begin to add human senses for robots. So we start to, um, to um, use vision uh, to automate our, our human side um, to, to operate robots. So in the end, to, um, to do more precise manipulation, but also moving, mobility. And that's something that, that self-driving cars do as much as, as, as self-driving robots. The important difference is, of course, that if you have a mobile robot inside a warehouse, you control the environment. So you know who will see the robot, who will work alongside the robot. You can instruct everyone. The weather inside a warehouse is every time the same, right? It has a roof, um, so the lighting conditions do not change, um, which makes it, of course, a lot simpler to have mobile robots, so self-driving cars in, in, to some extent, inside the four walls. And this is something we already see today. This is already seeing huge scale. Um, ABB recently acquired Asti um, to also um, offer great solutions in that market. When it now comes to um, self-driving cars outside, you have a lot of uncertainty you add, right? Can snow, um, you might have a bird on the street, you might have a um, person crossing the street. Um, so a lot of um, uncertainties which you cannot um, really influence, where you don't have any uh, choice or any um, opportunity to instruct such people and say, hey, this is a self-driving car. If you see it, please um, wait until it passed, right? Uh, so these kind of things make make it much more challenging for self-driving cars, and I think that's that's currently what what we see uh, with with this industry, uh, and that's also where where we draw a, a clear line, right? So it makes a huge difference to develop robots um, that are self-driving inside the warehouse, inside the four walls, um, compared to cars that can drive on on public streets. Um, however, the sensors, the vision, um, the, the the logic behind um, is is comparable. It's it's very similar. Okay, then let's move into the store. Uh, in, uh, the, let, maybe let's start with the warehouse where this kind of big uh, truck of chocolate um, um, uh, arrived. You still need people with this kind of pallet uh, uh, moving machine that go into the truck and moving the pallet out there. But it then a robot available like moving this merchandise into the warehouse warehouse shelves? Yeah, yeah. So this is something you, you can operate. I think what is what is important here to say is that typically we look at a human and say, hey, what are the human abilities, right? A human can walk and a human can manipulate with their, with their hands. And that's something which robots cannot really do. A robot typically is very good at moving, you know, just mobility, or picking, grasping, stationary manipulation. 
And I think that's something the industry currently gets their head around to really separate these tasks. So companies that are really leading in this automation space really manage to say, okay, this is this is for mobile robots, right? So what you're saying, moving pellets around and then putting them into storage, and this is for stationary robots. And to give a co concrete example, what 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 you can do, and we already see today, is that you have these pellets being automated, uh, being unloaded from a truck, and then they are put into into pelletizing, uh, depelletizing positions, and then you might have um, stationary robots picking up the pieces from these pellets to break them down and placing them into into totes or into into um, other mobile robots that then uh, further process these 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 boxes and and simulate them and bring them to different positions and that's something we offer as ABB so this is something that already exists that you can already solve today um, where you can really automate yeah 80 90 percent of, of your warehousing tasks would you say that most of the warehouses that are constructed now have this kind of robotic robotic capabilities in place or are still do you see see still a lot of warehouses um, that are built like the old way where people have to move stuff oh that's a good question i think i think a mix currently if especially if you if you build larger scale warehouses we see a lot of requests for this type of automation um, because yeah, it just makes sense. And the scarcity of labor is, is, is a really big issue right now. However, when it comes to concepts that um, customers really want to realize in, in very short time, um, I think over there, we still see a larger mix. So for the, for the large facilities, yes, definitely 100%. Everyone is looking into automation and, and really wants to automate as much as, as he or she can. When it comes to smaller facilities, we already offer a, a big bandwidth of solutions. But I think the ambition over there is not yet to, to automate 100%, but still there are some, some bits um, that, that definitely it's going to be automated. So I think someone planning a warehouse today, not considering any automation, does not happen anymore. This is, this is just, um, yeah, not, not, not reality. <laughs> Okay, then then let's move on to the delivery side of things. Um, you might have seen there were a lot of like delivery innovation projects from um, DHL, UPS, FedEx, with, with the dream that in the future you won't need um, the, the postal people anymore that are bringing the the box to your to your doorstep, but there might be like small moving. Uh, robots <laughs> around uh, um, coming to you and, and you could just pick the package uh, from them. So I, I, I understand that's not an area where ABB is involved, but you obviously have a professional opinion uh, on this development. Yeah, I think that's that's a very interesting one because we already see robots in that space for a decade right now, right? So quite a long time. And it, it didn't make it to a scale yet. And honestly, I think the reasons for that are very simple. It also show that sometimes the, the robotics industry is quite disconnected from this logistics industry. Because if you look into um, into the, the volumes and let's say the work um, a typical uh, postman is doing today, that's quite huge, right? So we see on average 200, 300 parcels per shift these postmen are delivering. And that's actually the, 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 the main business um, of, of such um, yeah, logistics companies, right? It's, it's simply economies of scale. Um, so it, it would not be very um, efficient for such companies if, if, the, if the postman would just pick up one parcel, drive to a, to a customer to deliver the parcel, go back to the, to the, to the sorting center or to the delivery uh, center and pick up the next parcel, right? And this is pretty much how robots would do it, right? So you put one box into that robot, that robot then drives to, to a customer, 
and then goes back. And there's um, not yet the business case um, behind that, also because these technologies are, are too expensive. Uh, and it really um, contradicts um, this, uh, yeah, this, this consolidation um, strategy in, in, inside such logistics companies. What I think makes a lot of more sense and where you can just probably introduce automation in the future are these parcel lockers, for example, right? So you, you now as a customer have the opportunity to order something and just say, hey, I'm going to pick it up at the parcel locker. And this thing is available 24-7. So you can go there midnight to pick up your box, right? Amazon has it, DHL has it. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of different companies offer this type of uh, technology. Think about such a parcel logger that could change location. Maybe not even yet self-driving, but think about a, a postman that is driving these parcel loggers and it just it is in your quarter for let's say three hours. So you have a three-hour window to pick up your box. It would reduce significantly the cost for delivery, and at the same time offer you a greater service because you could choose the window when you pick up your your parcel. And this is something you could already do today. And then if you think about it in the future, maybe the three, four, five coming years, once the self-driving car technology is a bit more evolved, you could just make these parcel locker cars self-driving. And then you would have probably a more scalable business um, concept behind automated delivery. But a robot that is really going up your doorstep, knocking at your door and bringing you the parcel, um, I think that's something where we just don't have, um, have a great business case yet. So what you are in general describing, if you're looking at the whole value chain of things is um, in all the parts, we have to adapt to the capability of robots and not the robots have to adapt to our old behavior, which we, uh, uh, which we were used to, like uh, bending over things, doing things in a very complicated way. But if we streamline to the robots capability in some areas, um, there's like already a high degree of automation. Uh, um, um, I think the, the milking robots needed a, a couple of decades to be accepted by every farmer and, and still they're very expensive, um, very water uh, intense in, um, in use, only makes sense for very big farms like 200 plus, uh, um, plus cows. Uh, but as there was no chance to train the cows, obviously the robot needed some more time uh, um, to adapt, which is all the case, also the case like in the de delivery and store logistics uh, um, uh, part. I, I totally get it. So it's like the short term labor shortage we are seeing right now in many cases cannot be solved by robotic solutions do i get it right um i mean what what you're describing right now is very robot centric right and that's i think that's that's a pitfall we should we should not say that we cannot solve today's task i think we should rather say there's a there's a bandwidth of tasks and some of it we can really um optimize and substitute with robotics and that's what we see already today. And we should also not forget about the advantages, right? So the, the scenario I was just sharing also provides much more flexibility to a customer. I mean, today, let's go back to the delivery um, example. Often you don't have a choice, right? So you get an email and it says like, hey, we're going to deliver your parcel within one hour. And you can just say, ah, I'm not at home. And then it will say, ah, maybe we try tomorrow. Can be, but can also be that this post guy decided to, to put it to the store next to your place. And this is something we can change today with robots, right? So they also give much more flexibility. What I was saying is that robots will likely not um, fully substitute a human, right? So our goal is not to say, hey, let's make a robot human, and then we can solve all the different tasks. That's something that just doesn't make sense. So what we do is that we take parts that humans have, like the senses for vision, an arm, right? We have robotic arms, the mobility to move, 
between um, A and B, and, and then use these capabilities to a certain extent where it makes sense. And of course, this is something where we always need to make trade-offs. We might need mm. to change processes, but ultimately, I don't think that that we as a consumer will need to adapt. I think we as consumers will get much more flexibility um, and better services by seeing more robots. And of course, also for the for the people working in such segments, um, the focus is really also to reduce the heavy work, the dull and dirty works, the heavy lifting, all these things um, that you can automate. How are you looking, like from an ABB perspective, uh, towards the business models of uh, of, of this kind of um, automated warehouses, for example? Many manufacturers want to move their old uh, business, where it's all about like um, uh, selling machinery or selling uh, selling raw materials into a more service-oriented business model, which could mean instead of like selling me as a warehouse owner as a robot, you can sell me. Um, uh, um, robotic uh, um, robotic tasks. Okay, 1,000 times moving a pallet from left uh, to right will cost you like X Y Z uh, euros, for example. So I don't need I don't need to own the robot anymore. You take care of the robot and the capabilities, and maybe even upgrade uh, um, um, the robot. And, uh, and out of a sudden, you're in the service business. So is, is it something you're looking into already, or where where you are active already? Yes, it's definitely something we're looking into. You also see a lot of emergent robotics companies really offering um, this type of commercial models that they often call robotics as a service, right? Like these RAS models. And this is super interesting. And ultimately, it also really justifies the business case much easier, right? So if you're at the level where you can say, hey, this is the work the robot is doing, and this is the hourly savings you spend, uh, you save, um, well, it, it's very clear for customers. And then also sometimes you really eliminate the need for these huge investments that then have to pay off within very short time. Um, however, the industry, right, especially in logistics, uh, is, is, is not very, let's say, um, uh, engaged in such commercial models yet. Uh, so it's, it's pretty much um, production capacity uh, thinking, right? So you buy, you buy a machine, you sell it off, um, and then, yeah, you, you, you begin to, to see return on, on your investment. Um, But we see this is changing. And also what is interesting here is that with all these new players, right, for, for super fast mm -hmm. deliveries, um, which do not yet use um, a large amount of automation, um, those will soon probably be pushed to, to use more automation and might be more interested in these RAS models um, than into these uh, capital expenditure um, commercial models because they just want to get the service solved and they're willing to, to maybe pay a bit more, but then on a monthly or yearly basis. And so that's definitely something. And maybe one last bit also on that one is that um, the innovation we see right now is much more happening on the software level and not so much on the hardware level, right? So software is really the enabler and software is, is much easier to move and update, right? So also over here, there's more justification for, for a RAS model because you can really simply update your, your hardware um, by using new software on a monthly or yearly basis, right? Like, like for example, with machine vision or other capabilities where humans would use the brain and today we are using software. Okay, speaking about software, what, what, how important is software in, the, in your customer um, acquisition process, especially like e-commerce software, I, I would say. So I assume this industry where you're in is like working the, the old ways, you know, customers know you, you know the customers, you know like the big warehouse construction agencies where there's like an established business connection so no not so much so not so many people 
selecting robot capabilities capabilities yet on your website wrong or true uh, i would say wrong so we are we are really um now looking also into into these emerging markets right e-commerce uh, best example here and there's also where you see very high adoption rates so especially these new players let's let's take large e-commerce uh, companies in germany they really got their head around robotics and automation um so over there we're really um, mm. happy to engage with such customers to to serve them and then also you need to consider that the market has different channels right so often we talk to the end customer like a like a large e-commerce player um that that really knows what they want they have their own robotics team but often you also have these these inter integrators and and partners um that that buy abb robots that are interested in our in our solutions that are also looking into these new markets right take your 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 milking machine this is something super specialized so for that it is likely that you have very specialized companies that might talk to abb and say hey we need this type of robot and we are then very happy to to help them to also follow that trend and they're then ultimately providing this very specialized solution so there are different channels and regarding the the yeah e-commerce abilities over there i would say that yeah we are we are really shifting the gears here and inside abb especially inside uh, the consumer segments and service robotics um um yeah business and inside abb robotics we really are interested to to engage with these new customers and and target them okay and what are you looking forward in 2022 what is like the most exciting thing that uh, um, might be uh, that might be see the light of the day which is not the laundry robot i get it uh, <laughs> but but what, what might be the thing that 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 made that might change our daily lives or yours oh that's a great question I think what what I'm really excited about is that we see more robots uh, with uh, human senses. Uh, and right now we're really ramping up our capabilities when it comes to vision. So you will really see more and more robots with human-like dexterity. So that can really in manipulate their environments that are unstructured, cluttered sceneries changing every day. And that, of course, doesn't change your life as a consumer. But what what really changes your life as a consumer is that with now ABB being able to, to deploy mobile and stationary robots, you will see more and more combined fleets of stationary and mobile robots. And if you recall what I was saying about a yeah, mm. nearly 100% automated warehouse, this is now more and more possible. And I believe we will see uh, more of these deployments and implementation throughout 2022, 2023. And ultimately, you as a consumer will be seeing much greater services, right? So you, you see this, this delivery windows are already shrinking and you will see more of that. So you will probably experience that, uh, yeah, within a year or two, you might be able to order something at 10 a.m. and you get it at, at 2 p.m. And that ultimately will be enabled also by robotics and automation. That's nice. I'm going to look forward uh, um, to this. Uh, um, after this uh, um, recording, we will. Uh, I will try to convince you in um, investing in this laundry uh, um, <laughs> robot. But uh, Julian, thank you for your time. Thank you, Alexander. Thanks for having me. <laughs>